When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Keith Law. Welcome to episode 91 of the Keith Law Show. My guest today, for fans of the late lamented Baseball Today podcast, you should be excited. It's Eric Carabell. We are getting the band back together. Just a few administrative notes beforehand, mostly about content that is coming up. I did have a post last week for subscribers to The Athletic looking at the starts of a few of the more notable players to make their major league debuts in 2022. Several of them have gotten off to slow starts, a couple off to good starts. Just trying to break down what we've seen so far without really drawing conclusions. I cannot emphasize that enough. People were, uh, a few people, most people got it. A few people kind of skipped over the intro and we're wondering if I was saying maybe I changed opinions on some of these players. It's three weeks. It's not even 20 games for just about all these kids. So no, not changing evaluations, just trying to explain maybe what we've seen so far. And in most cases, give some reason for hope. Coming up, we are getting close to the draft. We're about two and a half months away from the Major League Baseball Rule 4 draft, the amateur draft, which takes place on July 17th. I will have a big board uh, ranking of the top 100 prospects in this year's draft class up this week for subscribers. Uh, As it's currently scheduled, my first mock draft will be up next week. So it's the week of May 9th. Probably look for it on the 12th or 13th. That could always get pushed, but that is what I am currently targeting. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Law. Facebook, if you're old like me and still use Facebook, at Keith Law Writer. I did mention last week that I, uh, because I know some people were saying they were leaving Twitter, I don't know how many people actually left Twitter, whatever. If you were one of those people and went to the alternative site, counter.social, I am also on there at Keith Law. It's going to be the same content. You're not going to miss anything if you're not on Twitter and you're on Counter Social or vice versa. If you're not on Counter Social, you don't have to rush there just to follow me. But if you happen to be there, Check me out. And you can, of course, find my non-baseball content over at thedishmeadowparty.com slash blog. I should also mention I do keep an email newsletter. I send out probably about two a month on average, mostly around new content I have at The Athletic. When I have something to tell you about, and then I send out a newsletter. You can sign up for that at tinyletter.com slash keithlaw. Well, this week we're getting the band back together. <laughs> I am reunited with my old friend, former Baseball Today podcast co-host, Eric Carabell. You can find him on Twitter, at Carabell Eric, K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L-E-R-I-C. Eric, welcome back. Keith, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. So the Phillies are one game under 500 right now. Uh, Phillies. We're really going to talk Phillies? Of course. We have to start there, right? I feel like this is where we always begin, which is certainly not where we'll end. Um but like, let's take it with your Phillies fan temperature at this point. Where where are you? Are you pleased, displeased, disappointed, shocked they haven't given up 200 runs yet with that defense? 
I'm not the least bit surprised that they're a 500 team because that's what they've been the last couple of years. And I'm so the only thing that surprises me is that they think they're better than that. <laughs> Dombrowski actually thought that he could build it like the Tigers, you know, a decade ago when they went to a World Series. And with, with a couple of aces, which I'm not sure they have, with bad defense, which I'm quite sure they have. Yeah, that's pretty clear. The manager is doing a terrible job. You know, basically when they don't score runs or get any hits, like on Friday night, they're not going to win. And the middle relief is putrid. So like Sunday night's game, that was obvious it was going to happen at some point, you know, where it's a close game and then all of a sudden it's, it's 10 to 4. So this is a 500 team. And, and frankly, Seattle, I think, has a better chance of making the playoffs and ending their playoff drought, which is like since the Reagan administration now, than the <laughs> Phillies do. I think the Phillies are going to win 82, 83 games. Yeah. I think they'll part with Girardi at the end of the year. Uh, there's not much they can do because they're locked into all these heavy artillery hitting contracts. They can't teach Alec Bohm to play a good defense at third or Didi at short. They are what they are at this point. So I'm not angry that they're a 500 team because I expected them to be a 500 team. That's all. Yeah. I'm a little surprised they're not hitting more, but also surprised they haven't given up more runs. So I think it all just kind of nets out, right, in the wash. I mean, Schwarber's been, you know, mostly good. I think probably a little better than expected. Obviously, Harper is not playing at 100% right now, so that doesn't help them offensively or defensively. I think I'd rather have him out there in a corner than Castellanos or Schwarber, whatever it is. However you line these guys up, it's not good. Well, there's a reason. There's a reason why this is happening. So, And, and this is going to get a lot worse, I fear, for the Phillies. Mm-hmm. So Harper has a torn ligament in his throwing elbow. That's why he can't play the field. So they've got like five or six designated hitters, and now Harper's their only one playing designated hitter. Right. So you get the Castellanos experience every night in Schwarber. I, I hope at some point that he can avoid Tommy John surgery, but I kind of fear that that's inevitable. So, like, if you're a fantasy manager, don't trade for Bryce Harper. At no. some point, if they're under 500 in July, I wonder if they do just shut him down, yeah. fix the elbow. I hope it doesn't happen. This is, you know, this is just me, not a journalist saying it's going to happen. But at Zach Wheeler's shoulder, I, I fear this could get a lot worse before it gets better, actually. So be careful, Phillies fans. The Mets are really good. Yep. Atlanta is still really good. They'll find pitching. They always do. Phillies are stuck in the middle of the NL East, which there's worse things. And, and you know, now with all these playoff teams, I guess they could, you know, win 85 games and make it in. But they're not as good as the Padres or the Cardinals slash Brewers or Giants, Dodgers, they're, they're not going to make it. Well, my fear is if, let's say that that happens, right? They get in the 85 wins, whatever the number is, doesn't matter. They get in, but they're hobbled, right? If Zach Wheeler is not the Zach Wheeler we saw last year, which I think he's probably not right now, and they have half a Bryce Harper, basically, they have atrocious defense. They could probably patch the bullpen, right? It's something I think Dombrowski could probably do. They'll probably, you know, they could... They may not. They may be ill-advised trades, but I could see him picking up some relief help. But that seems like the worst possible formula for going into the postseason, right? Where you've got one really good starter and no, no true number two. If Wheeler is just simple, whatever he is, if hurt, not one hundred percent. However you want to describe it, with bad defense and certainly not a great bullpen. I, I know there's no guarantees in the playoffs. But that seems like the antithesis of the formula for having a good playoff team. It is, but I think the Phillies organization and the Phillies fans, the city, really need a playoff berth to like verify what they're doing in some ways. It's important to them, as it is to Seattle, mm-hmm. to just get in. 
and anything can happen. And I suppose with Wheeler and Nola, if they're pitching well, something could happen. But I, it's not the good. Way, it's not a good way to build. Let's put it that way. I don't think they're building. I think they think they're a contending team. Yeah. And I guess it's, you know, one good streak. Then they just play the Mets. They have to play the Mets again. The Mets are clearly a better team. Yes. I, I just don't I don't see the Phillies having a, sh- a, really, a realistic shot to winning the World Series, which I think is what is important. But I can still be entertained for six months and enjoy myself watching them play and watching little ground balls go through the shortstop third base hole or <laughs> you know anything hit into the gap. Or, oh, on Sunday night, okay, bases loaded one out, and Girardi brings in Jose Alvarado, who walked nearly a batter per inning last season. How do you think that's going to go? Really? What do you think is going to happen? And the, the surprising thing, he's, he didn't walk the first batter. He threw a wild pitch to allow <laughs> Is it? I'm can I make okay. a binder joke, or is that just like, is that, have we passed the expiration date on those? No, no, I want to hear it. Yeah, go oh, ahead. No, I was just going to say, but no, that's, that's the joke. That's the entire joke. I don't have anything better than that. That's the whole thing. Yeah. This is all kind of a joke. And I'm, I laughed out loud when that happened, because I said to my wife, he's going to walk this guy or hit him. And he threw it. And then, you know, with Beanball, that's an actual topic that's important. The Phillies making the playoffs is not important. The, the Beanballs and the Mets is ridiculous. The fact that they think they're being hunted. Now, you may disagree with me that it's okay to fire a baseball 98 miles per hour at somebody's back. I, I don't see that as legitimate. Like, it's not justice, people. And the guy who hit. The lefty on the Phillies who hit a guy on the Mets in late innings, he doesn't know where the ball is going. Maybe it's the baseball. Maybe it's that he has no control. Whatever it is, they're not trying to hit the other team. And then, of course, the Mets bring in a guy who's trying to hit Schwarber, and he misses because he has no control or command of his <laughs> basketball. You know, this weekend, the, the Mets host, the Mets go to Philadelphia, and on Friday night, the Phillies are going to be in the Mets. They just are. Eflin's going to hit a guy early on or somebody in the bullpen who has no control. And, and everybody's going to run out of the bullpen and nobody's going to throw a punch. I don't know why baseball doesn't do something about this. Somebody's really going to get hurt because half of the major league bullpen pitchers don't know where the baseball's going. Right, because well, this, this is the trade-off, right? This is just throw hard. I mean, I don't know if you yeah. saw the video of the kid at University of Tennessee who threw on Sunday. I was actually there yeah, Friday. Yes, yeah. 105. And I mean, I know, I, I don't know if that's exactly what that pitch was they have the track man set up at the volunteer stadium there i'm blanking on the name the actual name of the field even though i was there less what was i there like 72 hours ago not even but i was hoping he would pitch on friday but they they were actually losing four to two i think in the sixth and 117 to four so i did not see any of the relievers i was hoping to see i saw the bats obviously right. everybody's right they're all first rounders apparently because everybody homered that night but anyway <laughs> so people have asked me um not people in the draft, like not scouts necessarily, but like, you know, educated fans, people on Twitter, even like one of my editors, the athletic, you know, what, what, what is this guy? Where is he going? I'm like, he doesn't really know where it's going. Right. It's a hunt. That pitch was a ball, by the way, it was 105. They said 105 and a half, but it was well out of the strike zone. It was showing one of my daughters because the, the two younger ones play softball and like, she couldn't, I just, of course that number means nothing to her, but I was like, that's really, really fast. And she's watching, but she and she said, "But is it in the box? Meaning in the strike zone, right? Right. This is a five-year-old it understands to ask that question." I said, "That's a great question. No, it wasn't. And this is what we've got. Like we're just saying, no, just throw hard, just throw hard slash high spin, and we'll figure out strikes later." 
Well, it's all about figuring it out later. And yeah. this is the Hunter Green problem with the, that the Reds have right now is that he can throw 100 miles per hour in every pitch, but he doesn't know where it's going either. Sometimes the fastball is too straight, and then he's walking people, and we're seeing he probably needs to be back in AAA. Are you trying to sell tickets, or are you trying to develop a pitcher? And that's the problem here. Like, I want to watch Hunter Green's next outing, but, I, I, you know, first of all, the team behind him is atrocious. Well, which, yeah, we should talk about that, but go ahead. That's another topic. But I, I think it's like, do you want to sell tickets every time Hunter Green pitches? It's like Mark Fidrits in, what, 76. That's part of the issue here. What are teams trying to do? So the Tennessee kid, he'll get drafted high, but I don't know if he's going to be an effective starting pitcher or even a starting pitcher at all. Yeah, he's well, right now he's a reliever and he's basically a one pitch guy. I mean, I know I've heard, I've talked to Scott, obviously, as I said, I haven't seen him because I couldn't. But between the fact that he, he basically never pitched before this year because he was a Tommy John guy. Um, actually, I looked up. He had never, he had not actually pitched in a game for Tennessee. So he's a Tommy John guy, comes back. It's 105. He doesn't really know where it's going. It's just nobody can hit it. And the, he's got a slider that, when he's on it, it's really good, as you might expect from a guy that fast, but it's also wildly inconsistent. So where does that go? Like third to fifth round, probably. Someone will always take it, right? You get to a certain point in the draft, it's, he throws 105. How can we not take that? Like no GM is going to say, how come you took the guy who threw 105 miles an hour? How do you, why would you do that? Like that's the perfect defense to say, he threw 105. I didn't do it. I, player development screwed him up. Right, he, he was throwing 105 when we put him on the bus. I don't know what they did wrong, but we took the right guy. So it's dangerous, yes. it's so dangerous though. Like I, I hope, I hope he doesn't hit anybody because 105, I would imagine, hurts a lot more than 95. Oh my God, I think I feel bad for the catcher at Tennessee. That's got that has got to hurt. I don't care what you've got, and unless he's got like a lead lined catcher's glove or something. <laughs> I, I'm so old. I hurt my hand playing softball yeah. on a ball hit too hard <laughs> to me in, in left field. I can't imagine trying to catch 100 miles per hour. No. But, you know, it, it's fun watching him. De- I want to see if he, he develops some off-speed stuff. Yeah. Somebody will draft him. Oh, yeah, for you sure. Know. It's inter- And ro- Rocker in the draft, I want to see what happens with that. Yeah, we're still uh, waiting to hear where he's going to pitch, right? He's got to go to – like he's, so he's not at Vanderbilt, for folks who don't right. know. This is the guy who was drafted 10th overall last year, didn't sign. Mets basically declined to sign him after the draft. So he's got to go pitch in independent ball somewhere. And we're uh, – trust me, he's been a big topic of conversation when I've gone out to games – but none of us knows. We're all assuming he's going to make two to three starts for an independent team because that's basically what's happened with comparable guys in the past, like James Paxton, which is like 10 years ago now. But that's a pretty similar situation. And so Paxton went and I think made three starts for Grand Prairie in whatever that independent league was called at the time. Rocker's going to end up doing that. And of course, I'll be you know part of the mob trying to chase this guy down to see him, yep. to see probably go watch him throw three innings somewhere. That's most likely what'll happen. Is we'll be let's all get to his first start before something goes wrong, and he'll throw like forty pitches, and we'll be like, "Was that worth the cost of the plane ticket?" I don't. I'm not even well, sure. Maybe the Reds will draft him this year. They draft, I think, nineteenth. They're okay. on track to pick first next year. They are. I think they will three and yeah. nineteen right now. I mean, first question: How long do you think David Bell makes it? Because whether or not you think he's the problem, that's the first thing to go right when you are. 3-19, and 19. you're not going to fire all the players, so I have a feeling the manager's going to get whacked regardless of whether he's actually any of the issue. Right, and, and by the way, young listeners, that's figuratively, not literally. Um, 
we, you know, we're, we don't want any violence. I would have used a different voice. They're going to make him an offer. Maybe David Bell want, doesn't want to manage this mess anymore. I mean, they did it to him. Yes. They didn't give him enough players. They took all his players away. Well, not took, all. Maybe. Well, I mean, free Joey Votto. I mean, I would love to see Joey Votto. Joey Votto is such a fun, nice guy. When yeah. they mic him up, it's great. And he, he's not helping. He's not hitting at all. But I imagine part of that is the mess around him. It's a little sad to see an organization do this, tear it down like this, mm-hmm. and not try to win ball games. The way Baltimore does it is a little is a lot different. You know, they don't know any better. The Reds do. <laughs> the Reds were contenders, right? I mean, Baltimore yes. is just bad management. Okay, and I, every time I'm on this show, I rip Baltimore. Yeah. Why do you hate the Orioles, Eric? The Orioles are not making the playoffs anytime soon either. But <sighs> bold, bold prediction there. I'm trying not to, but I mean, they might make the Sally League playoffs. That Aberdeen club's pretty good. And Adley Rushman, I would like to see him in the majors this year. Yeah, I hope so. He's on his way. He's playing in Aberdeen. Not a money issue. It shouldn't be a money issue with him and Grayson Rodriguez. But Cincinnati Reds fans have a right to be a little bit upset here, and there's not a whole lot to watch. But you know, a lot of this is variance, and they should should play better soon. Some of their players just aren't doing. Or Tyler Molly is better than what he has shown so far. So I don't know. Be patient. But it's a hundred loss team. Uh, and yes, next season, you know, I don't know what the draft looks like in 23. You would know better, but the Reds will have a high pick. <laughs> Maybe the first. Yeah, pick. I will say the draft looks better for next year because those guys aren't hurt. We have so many. We have seven Tommy Johns and pitchers who would be on my top 100 for this year's draft so far. And the draft is still two months away. That hasn't happened for next year yet, right? So, the, of course, next year's draft looks better. Those guys just haven't blown out yet. They have plenty of time to do that if they still want to. I'm looking at the Reds stats right now. They have <laughs> two hitters with an OPS plus over 100. I'm just on baseball reference. It's not the ideal stat, but I think in this case, it does the job, right? They have two guys who are league average hitters or better. Tyler Stevenson, who's currently on the injured list and has only played 11 games, and Brandon Drury, who is basically a, like a filler Right? This is not a core player for them going forward. And obviously, several of these guys are going to hit better as the season progresses. But right now, that's where they stand. And they do not have a starting pitcher with an ERA under five and a half. Right. But you got to like look at this from the big picture, too. I mean, Luis Castillo has yet to pitch in the majors. Mike Miner, the number one and number three starters, have not pitched because of injury. And Miner may be out a while, but Castillo probably pitches this week in the majors, mm-hmm. too. Tommy Pham has struggled. Mustakas has been hurt. They actually have offense. Jonathan India is back on the injury list with a hamstring again. Yep. Votto should be great. Stevenson should be a top 10 catcher offensively. So mm-hmm. it's not a bad – it's a middle-of-the-road offense, really. And then when you look at Castillo, their ace, who last year was really good in the final four months, I didn't think the Reds were going to lose 100 games. And it's still possible they don't because when you bring some of these players back to health, I mean – Tyler Naquin will get better. You know, some of these guys, Tommy Pham will get better. So I don't think it's the worst team in baseball. I still think it's Baltimore, actually. I, it, there's a lot of small sample size junk going on after one month. of the, And it's not even a month. We're in May. Happy May, everybody. But it's still not even a month because we started late. But I, you know, the Reds the biggest embarrassment in baseball. Right now they are. But I don't think they'll finish with the worst record. And I still think it'll be, you know, Baltimore or Texas, one of those teams. Um, Pittsburgh is still really bad, people, you know, and, and they're not trying. With Pittsburgh and Cincinnati in the same division, right? One of the, those two teams play each other like 19 times, and somebody has to win each of those games. It's in the rules. Well, you know what? Baseball changes rules during the season, Keith. I don't That's know if you've gotten the memo. So they could just make ties applicable. After so like Pittsburgh plays Cincinnati and somehow St. Louis wins? 
St. Louis always wins in those battles. They'll actually get an extra competitive balance pick just because. They're going to put three runners on base in the 13th inning of the tied Pittsburgh-Cincinnati games, and then the merry-go-round starts. And if you don't score three runs, then it's a tie. I don't know. It's a mess. I agree with you on Baltimore, by the way, because I think the biggest problem Baltimore has, whether or not they're actually a worse team on paper than Cincinnati or not, their schedule is much worse. Right, they are playing four teams who are absolutely trying to make the playoffs. Whereas the Reds are basically in their division. I mean, the Reds have yeah. two. And I think the, the Cubs, are, the Cubs team is credible. I don't think they're really a contender, but I think they're decent. I think they've got a pretty good chance to finish above five hundred. But they're not. You know, the Cubs would be the fifth best team in the American League East. They are the third best team, I think, in the NL Central. Whereas even though the Red Sox are off to a rough start, and I think yeah. the you know the pitching problems that a lot of us thought were coming last year, myself included. Maybe that's actually manifesting this year. But if you're the Orioles, it's like, sorry, every team you face in your division is a current contender. And the Orioles are just not, you know, whether you think they're on the right path or not with their rebuild, that's what's about almost 70 games out of your 162 where you're playing a team that's actively trying to win. This year. And then next year, the schedule goes to a more balanced schedule. But when you said that, I, I cringed a little because I'm thinking, are the Red Sox like the Phillies? Are they just a 500 team that people assume are going to be a playoff team? Because the way they were advertised is not what they're doing right now. You can shut down an offense. We've seen the Phillies already no hit. When they don't hit, they don't win. Mm -hmm. Red Sox, same thing. Trevor Story doesn't hit. You know, if J.D. Martinez doesn't hit, they've got some issues there because I don't know when Chris Sale is coming back. And he's a big key. And then they have, you know, other rotation stuff with Houck and, and you know, the non-vax guy. It's going to be very interesting what Boston does, I'm not sure that's much better than a 500 team right now. Well, Evaldi's been incredible. Like his peripherals back up what he's doing. You know, yeah. Waka's like definitely outpitched his numbers. Hauk has outpitched his numbers. And obviously he's an idiot because he won't get vaccinated. What do you think of this Garrett Whitlock thing? Them trying to make him a starter. I was very much in the camp of you got a really good thing going with Whitlock in the bullpen. He could probably throw you 90 really high quality relief innings this year, leave well enough alone. It didn't seem like it was somebody, he was somebody whose repertoire would easily translate to the rotation. Now, it's only been two starts so far and four relief appearances, but so far it looks okay. Maybe it'll work out. I, You know what? I'm a little surprised. Why wouldn't you try it? When St. Louis put Jordan Hicks in the rotation, I thought, oh, well, there's their closer, but why not see if he can throw 130 innings because that's more than just 60 innings. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same way about Whitlock. I'm not sure it'll work out being a five-inning starting pitcher, but I'd rather rather see them try it than just dump him in a relief role and maybe not even a leverage relief role. Some of these guys don't even end up there. So go ahead. Give Garrett Whitlock two months of starts and see what happens. He might only be a 75-pitch guy who goes five innings, and same with Jordan Hicks and St. Louis, but why not try it? And then if it doesn't work out, then you can make him a key eighth or ninth inning guy. So I'm all for that, and I think everybody should because obviously twice the innings could be twice the value. Mm -hmm. Now when you get to the playoffs, if you've got five good starting pitchers and Rich Hill's not one of them, then sure, then you put the guy in the bullpen and do that. St. Louis has depth. Matt Liberatore could come up right now and be an ERA of 425 in the Cardinals rotation. But why not see what Jordan Hicks can do? And the same with Boston. They've got options in the minors too. So I'm all for Houck and Whitlock being in the rotation and see how that works out. I think they have the room. Rich Hill's not making 30 starts. No, he never was going to. Right. You can always find – you can always trade for relief pitching, but it's harder to trade for starting pitching. So – 
I want to see what Whitlock does as a starter. Absolutely. I feel like if you'd ask, you know, we're, we're a little biased by what's happened so far this year. But if you'd asked me three weeks ago, pick one of these guys to succeed as a starter, Whitlock or Hicks, I would have gone Whitlock primarily because he throws a lot of strikes. And Hicks, has ne- that's never been his thing. It's been power more than anything else. And I remember he was... They, he was originally a starter as a prospect guy. That's got to be five years ago now when I first ran into him. And it was like, who the hell is this guy? He's athletic and it's huge power. And he just kind of never figured out commander control. And they put him in the short bursts where it was obviously much less of an issue. And then he blew out. So does he come back now? And because of whatever they've done with him as they've been trying to bring him back from the Tommy John, do they feel like they figured out command and control? Maybe. I don't have any particular reason or evidence to support that. Whereas Whitlock, we already knew he had that. He's a pretty good command guy, actually. And to me, that's the better argument. If I'm arguing against myself, you could say, hey, Whitlock's got the command and control. And if you think he's really got the three pitches to do it, then sure. You're just basically asking, can he hold up? Can he maintain the velocity when he's working, you know, six innings versus working one to two innings, as opposed to Hicks, where, you know, I'll still my fear with Hicks now as a starter is he's just going to be so inefficient that not only will, will he be ineffective, but that ends up impacting the rest of your bullpen. Because every time he starts, you need five to six innings out of your relievers. It's all fair. It's all fair. And I'm not sure Hicks can do it for more, for more than four innings per outing. But I always want to give these guys a chance. And that's why I'm keeping an eye on other guys like, like Nate Pearson in Toronto. Give him a chance to start. If he can't work it out, then you've got like last year's Kopech as a multi-inning fastball, 100-mile-per-hour guy in the bullpen. And that's what Hicks could be. Cardinals are going to be in the playoffs. I don't know what Hicks's role will be there. But if he can fire three or four good innings as a starter and then you piggyback him with someone else, I think it could work out. I agree with you, by the way. I think Liberator probably comes up soon. I would not be the least bit shocked to see him have one of those stat lines. We see so much. I feel like we see more of these now than ever where it's everything looks good except it's too many home runs. Right. He's missing enough bats. He's probably not going to walk a lot of guys. That's kind of always who he's been. But that he, you know, it's the mistakes that really get punished as the guy, as somebody comes from double A or triple A, in his case, triple A comes to the majors and it has to, you know, sort of they learn, hey, my command was pretty good for triple A hitters and major league hitters are like, nah, it's not good enough. So (laughs) I could totally see him doing that, but that probably helps them. That's probably, I mean, certainly it's an upgrade over what they've gotten from Steven Matt so far. And if Hicks, does continue to have trouble. I looked, he's walked eight guys already in 12 and a third innings in out of 50 batters, but it's a 16% walk rate. Um, I can still do math, I think. And uh, I just can't do the math that my daughter is doing in 10th grade right now, as it turns out. I've actually become that that dad, right? Where she's like, dad, do you remember the unit circle for trigonometry? I'm like 360 degrees. She's like, thanks. I'll go ask my friend Violet instead. Nice. You're getting that. Well, you're a smart guy. You went to Yale, right? Wasn't it Yale no, you went to? No, it was my safety school. Oh, see, that's what I heard. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. They teach you math in the in the good schools. No, math was actually. I went to the the you know the the good college in Cambridge. Math was the thing they did at that like technical school at the other end of Cambridge, the one that's like closer to the river. Yeah. You make friends so easily. I dude. do. I do. How many how many elite colleges can I insult in one podcast? Well, how much time we got? I don't know. Yeah, we are kind of coming up against it. And I wanted to talk a little (laughs) bit about the Twins, who were – I think I picked them to win the division last year, at least to make the playoffs last year. And they just never got it going, right, in any way. And everything – even after a couple weeks, I was like, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Obviously, it never worked. Are you buying – 
what do you do? What do you, I mean, what are you seeing that makes you more inclined to buy this year other than Byron Buxton being the guy we hoped he would be for since 10 years since he was drafted? Well, I mean, I feel the way, the way I do about Byron Buxton, I do Mike Trout. If they play 150 games, they'll break the war records. Yeah. They'll win MVP awards. I just, oh. I don't expect either of them to play 130 games, mm-hmm. maybe ever again. But there's a lot of things to like with the Twins. Joe Ryan is legit. He, he really is. Now, like, like you said with Liberator, Joe Ryan's going to finish with like a 310 ERA and allow 28 home runs. Yes. But that's okay if they're all solos. Yep. Scherzer's allowing solos and nothing else. Joe Ryan's good. Sonny Gray is good for the 22 starts he'll make. He'll come off the injury list. I hope they bring up Miranda because Sano's on the injury list. Kyle Garlic's hurt. You might as well let Miranda hit and just see what happens. He can hit in the minors, even yeah. if he's your DH. So it's an intriguing team. And, yes, I think we were both a year early. I had them in the playoffs last year as well. But there's an opening here because the White Sox are not what they, we thought they were going to be. And it's not only because of injuries. It's because of their manager. It's because of their pitching. It's because of a lot of things. They're a bit of a mess. Yeah. That division's wide open. And I think the Twins can get in there and win that division. But I'd like to see somebody else hit other than Buxton. He's got to stay healthy. Nobody is more important to their team right now, and this includes Trout, yep. than Buxton. Than Byron Buxton. I agree. As Buxton goes, so goes the Twins. So go the exactly. Twins, right? I can also do grammar. Um, I am glad to see Max Kepler kind of return a little bit to form. I think he's, he's never going to be a star, but I think what we're seeing from him so far in whatever it is, three and a half, four weeks, um, he's played, I think, every game for them. It's This is Pete Kepler, right? This is the best you're going to get out of him, but that's really good. And if he's that, he's the you know second or third best player uh, in your best hitter in your lineup, that's good. They're in good shape if he continues to do that. Obviously, Buxton is first. And, and I will also say, by the way, completely agree with you on Miranda. One of their best prospects, very little left for him to prove in AAA, kind of nothing left for him to prove in AAA, not getting a lot of production out of DH so far. Would actually love to see them bring him up, give him a chance, and he can maybe you try him a little bit at third base. It's not going to be very pretty, but you hope that he adds something more to the offense. You need you need a hitter here because Miguel Sano is not what we thought he was going to be five years ago. Nope. You need offensive depth in this lineup, and I'm looking at their team right now, and I mean Correa is going to hit Carlos Correa. Yeah, him I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about him, but you need a little bit of depth here, and you know Kirilov and Larnack. These guys haven't hit yet. The Twins have all these hitting prospects. Give Miranda a chance and see what happens. So Craig Calcaterra wrote in his excellent newsletter, which I highly recommend people subscribe to. He asked, how long did they go before starting to look at Tony La Russa, who I agree with you, oh, is yeah. a problem. I do not believe he is the problem. Like firing him is not going to fix everything. Um, and it's not his fault that they're, I'm looking right now, like they're getting nothing from catcher. They're getting nothing from second base. You know who's leading the team in basically all the offensive categories on base, slug, OPS, OPS plus, et cetera, et cetera. Who's leading the White Sox, that is? Andrew Vaughn. It is Andrew Vaughn. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, Andrew Vaughn makes me very happy as a guy who loved Andrew Vaughn in college and said he was you know, right behind Adley Rutschman in that particular draft class. And I think Rutschman did, has created some separation. He's been, There's more distance between the two. However, very glad to see Andrew Vaughn doing Andrew Vaughn things, doing what we all hoped he would do when we saw him in college. Obviously, a lot of injuries and missed player time. Eloy Jimenez... Um, they're missing some starting pitching with Lance Lynn, and and I don't think their closer looks right, Hendricks. But I think I want to say this properly, as not to offend anybody. I think a a younger manager who understands players and analytics would do it would get more out of the team 
than the current manager would. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's the fairest way I can put it um, because this is a team with a lot of talent. And when a team with a lot of talent doesn't win 90 games, that's when the manager moves on. And I just don't think he's getting anything out of them. It's not like LaRusso, it's not LaRusso's fault that Yasmani Grandal is not doing what he's supposed to do or that Lance Lynn is hurt. Right. But he's not making anybody around them better. And batting Lurie Garcia third is not doing anybody any good. Yeah, in what universe was that a good idea, by the way? Lineup construction is overrated, but when you bat your worst hitter third, I don't know wh what you're thinking. Is it a loyalty factor? Is it, oh, he can steal a base? I don't even know why that makes any sense. And when you see stuff like that, you have to really question what the manager is doing. So obviously they will play better. Luis Robert is a fantastic player. He just has to stay healthy and take a walk once in a while. Um, he could be Buxton-like, frankly, defensively, offensively, and all that. But um, yeah, they, I don't think the manager helps them very much, just like the Phillies manager is not helping them. You've got the Twins manager, Rocco, helps them win. Yes. He knows what he's doing. He's smart. And I look at other – even Madden with the Angels, he's not helping them anymore. Like he makes some really strange Oh, God, decisions. the intentional walk with the bases loaded, right? That, that, I'm that's still like not a, okay. That was like a month ago. It's never okay. How can that possibly be justified? There's smart people in that front office that say, how could he, how could he do that? And, you know, you know – the front, they don't always listen, the managers, to the to the smart people behind the scenes. Yeah. It's not just analytics. That's not an analytical move. That's just not smart. You know, the lure is a problem, right, is we all believe – I do not know this from White Sox front office people because I'm not going to ask. It's just it's no point in asking the question and making someone uncomfortable like that right. on, on something like this. But we all believe that he was the owner's pick, that it, this isn't the guy the front office would have hired. The owner's buddies with him and decided to give him a chance. And to me, like Larry Garcia, by the way, Larry Garcia's uh, WRC plus, which is probably, I think, probably the best of these sort of like overall advanced metrics for hitters. 100 is league average uh, overall offensive production. Larry Garcia's WRC plus so far this year is five. Single digit five. Five, yes. So like you could <laughs> probably take, you know, right? That you could do a weekend at Bernie's thing and just put the corpse up at the plate. And I think he could probably do better than that. As long as the pitcher doesn't know he's dead, Ugh. then he's got to throw strikes. And if you got, you know, one of these guys who just throws really hard, doesn't know where it's going. Like, I think the dead guy might draw a few more walks. Keith, why do you hate the White Sox? Why do you hate every team so much? I don't understand this. You're so biased against everybody. It's 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 unfitting of, so, of someone like you. I don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I got a reputation to uphold here. I don't know where the, the cat the cat hasn't weighed in yet. I can't Where's believe he hasn't cat? seen the closed door and thrown a fit yet. <laughs> the door never closes, Keith. It never yes. closes. Let's talk about at least one team out west. I think we've been like east and central so far, and we have to like we have to spread the bias around, right? Bias to everybody. So yeah. we've got. I'm looking at the NL West standings, by the way, uh, right now. So four teams above 500, right? They're and they're all basically neck and neck: Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Rockies. The the Diamondbacks, by their recent standards, are having a pretty nice start to the season. They're ten and thirteen, and they're in last place. I think the Giants are going to do it again. Oh my I, god! I, I just I, can't. You know, halfway through last season, I kept saying that's a hundred win team. It's not all the manager. It's just everybody buying in, and they have a deep bench. And like, I love what they're doing. Yeah, going up against the Dodgers, and I think that's a hundred win team again. And then you put them in a playoff series, and you know, Rodon and Logan Webb are really, really good. And, you know, it may not be Bueller and Kershaw, but it may be 
as good as Bueller and Kershaw in a playoff series. So I'm not saying I'm rooting for the Giants to beat the Dodgers in the playoffs, but I'm kind of I kind of am because I think it's fun to see a team like this overcome the sum of its parts. Who, who's the best player on the Giants? Like it's just like right, now you have to stop and think about it. <laughs> Used to well, be po- Posey was the easy answer. Posey was always the easy answer, the leader of the team. And I'm looking at them now, and they're still dealing with all these injuries. I mean, Jock Peterson hit all the home runs, and now he's hurt. And yep. Brandon Bell has COVID. He is vaccinated. Darren Ruff is playing a key <laughs> role. That's important. Darren Ruff. Phillies couldn't get anything out of him. Phillies can't get anything out of anybody. To me, this is the thing that the Giants are doing extremely well under Farns Aidi, under Gabe Kapler, is yes. all these role players that they're getting them into the right spots. It's not that these guys are being that much better. They've had a few guys, obviously, who've gone there and been better than they were in other spots. But I think a lot of it is just deploying the guys in the right spots, in the best situations, helping them maximize the things that they can do, as opposed to what I have always thought is a big issue in baseball in general, which we have a tendency to focus on what guys can't do. And if you do that, eventually you get to the point where almost nobody can play. Right? It's, oh, I'll take Mike Trout. Everyone else sucks. Well, platooning works. And he actually can't throw, so I I shouldn't even take Mike Trout, right? Because there's one thing he can't do. Well, Mike Trout should not be playing center field, but the fact that he is is because the manager is loyal to him and there's a reputation, Mm -hmm. but he'd be better deployed in right field. He'd be a more effective player in Mm -hmm. right field because Brandon Marsh is a better center fielder by every way of looking at it, except their way. Yeah. And the Giants are doing everything the right way, and that includes stealing a base up 7-1 to one in the seventh inning. Yeah, they're not playing the game the right way. Back in my day! I don't under... The traditionalists in baseball are missing the point. If we had a two-run lead, it was over. We went out for beer. This is not the Premier League in soccer. You can score seven runs in an eighth inning, and I, I applaud the Giants for doing this. There shouldn't be any bean brawling in it all, but if you want to steal a base, if you want to take an extra base, if you want to bunt up only three runs in the eighth inning, I, I good for the Giants yep. because, you know, we can mock playing the game the right way, like the old announcers say, but, like, they are, and it's doing good work. They're winning these games, and I love – they take a guy like Fyro Estrada and make him a, a productive major league player, mm-hmm. even if he's not getting all the at-bats. They may not have anybody even qualify for the batting title. That that would be amazing. No hitters. I mean, a couple will get there. But Brandon Belt's not playing 150 games. So, good for the Giants. Wilmer Flores forever. I love it. Nah. <laughs> so, let me, let's finish up with one more team out west, which is the Padres. And yeah. I, you know, I'm of two minds here. On the one hand, they're doing all this without Fernando Tatis Jr. So, all they, I thought going into the year, their challenge was basically stay close until he comes back. He's their best player. And so you get your best player for the second half of the season. If you get to whatever point he returns and you're within a couple of games of first place, you're in a great situation. Well, they are basically within a game of first place because a couple of guys are playing way above expectations this year, including Hosmer and Haseon Kim. On the other hand, it probably has not hurt that they've gone 6-0 and against the Reds so far. And I don't, you know, they're not going to play the Reds 12 more times the rest of the season. So... Maybe we shouldn't read quite too much into the hot start. This is why schedule means there's no context when you look at the standings. The Yankees just played the Royals and the Orioles and the Guardians or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're on a 10-game winning streak. They didn't, you know, whereas look at Houston just played, you know, like Toronto twice in a week. So Toronto, Toronto's standings are much better than the Yankees. Anyway, the Padres are very good. 
It's going to come down to starting pitching, getting him into the playoffs. Clevenger comes back, I think, Tuesday at Cleveland. That should be a fun reunion there. Mm -hmm. Mackenzie Gore better stick in that rotation. He's looked pretty good. He's their best starting pitcher right now. Now he's faced the Reds twice. But stuff, delivery, so far so good? He needs to stay in the rotation, and you push out like Nick Martinez. And by the way, Blake Snell does not deserve a rotation spot for you when he's healthy. (laughs) Over any of these guys, stop with the loyalty stuff. That's a that's a that, that's a two or three inning reliever. Just let let him throw as hard as he can. That that's what I think. He and Lamette. Do you see they might trade the MLB trade rumors, which of course we all read all the time. They're considering trading Lamette. The only reason I I think that's a smart move is if you don't think you can get anything out of him as a starting pitcher. But I I think in a multi inning relief role, he'd be really valuable if he could stay healthy because he throws hard. It's wicked stuff. That's a guy you want in your playoffs, you know, as a middle mitten guy. Like, if Gore goes four innings or Snell goes four innings in a playoff game, you're bringing Lamette for a different look. That's nasty stuff. Yes. I don't know what they'd be trading for. Like, what would you be acquiring? This is my question with him is, are you just better off having him as a right-handed weapon? Because it's right on right. He's never had a good good third pitch for lefties. Even last year when he was pitching more in relief – he was not as if not very effective against lefties. He's much better against righties. However, pretty good weapon to have in a bullpen. And you, obviously with the size of pitching staffs at this point, you're going to have some guys who lean towards specialists, even though with the three batter minimum, we can't have pure specialists, right? But you can have guys who lean in that direction. I think there's a spot for a Lamette in on a playoff team's bullpen. The only reason I could see trading him is, and I'm just honestly just throwing this out there and see what you think is if you find another team that says we think he's a starter and we'll pay a starter price for him in which case you're just playing some kind of basically a value game rather than trying to get fill some specific need you're simply saying this guy is more valuable to us in trade than he is throwing 70 innings for us the rest of the season right and i don't see that i don't know why they'd be trading for prospects here and i don't see anything on their major league roster that they really need even if Tatis comes back and can't play shortstop, you put him in the corner outfield spot, and that's just fine. You can get away with Kim or Abrams as your shortstop. Abrams, that's, that's the one thing Abrams can really do right now. I don't think his bat is ready uh, based on what little we've seen so far, but he can play shortstop. He can, and he can bat ninth. There's no reason why he can't do that for a playoff team. Padres are a playoff team. Yep, I agree. Not buying the Rockies, huh? Not buying the Rockies, Me sorry. Me neither. Sorry, sorry, Colorado. Not buying them. Nice to have a good start. Hopefully Chris Bryant gets back soon. I would love to see him have a 50 homer season while he's out there. I don't think that's out of the question, uh, but I don't think this this team is going to, not in that division, certainly. It's good when teams that, when franchises that are in a bit of disarray have a good start, like the Rockies had, because it helps attendance and all that. But yeah, that's that's not a play. I'm sorry, that's not a playoff team. But hey, neither are the Phillies, and we, we go full circle. Yes, yes, we come back to the Phillies at where it always begins. And actually, this time, I think I said we weren't going to end on the Phillies, but I guess we will. My guest this week has been the great Eric Carabell. Follow him on Twitter at Carabell Eric. You can find his work on baseball and the other, what's the other sport with the oblate spheroid thing, right? With the uh, soccer. Yeah, I, co- I cover. I'm going to start covering soccer. It's all about football, Keith. Get the memo. Come on. More of a rugby guy myself. So, uh, well, you don't do you fantasy so rugby? Thanks for coming. Always if good. They, we should do this again. It, I'll do it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> Have a great day, Keith. You too. That's all for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe. Stay safe.